Alrighty then, welcome back to the Celtics Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tuftabai, joined as always by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. Today on the pod, we are going to take stock of the entire Eastern Conference, so we have not one, but two guests. First, he covers the Brooklyn Nets for Netswire. Welcome back to the pod, Ajay Brown. Ajay, how are you? Yeah, I'm feeling great, feeling great, waiting for the new season to start, and just glad to be back on the Celtics pod, man. Yeah, we're, we're very lucky to have you. And mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, for the first time on Celtics Lab, coming over from Sixers Wire, we have Kai Carlin. Kai, how are you? What's going on? This isn't my first time on here, Oops. but but I, I have been, uh, you know, I've been on here a couple times, but yeah, I'm very thankful to be back with my guy, Justin. What's up, Justin? Chilling, chilling. Yeah, and Ajay comes from NetsWire. We got the Wire folk on the pod. Uh, yeah, Justin, how is, um, Justin just had a little bit of a, an earthquake situation down in Mexico. Justin, how are you? Uh, a little freaked out, but pretty good. Uh, I saw some blue flashy lights last night that I had never seen before, thinking they were some kind of a first responder, and evidently they are some kind of weird phenomena that only happens with very strong earthquakes. Definitely Google Mexico earthquake lights if you want to see them. It's pretty cool. Or, Scary. Reach, or reach out to me. I would love to talk to, you, to anyone about that. Uh, Alex, to my knowledge, you did not survive an earthquake, but how are you? I didn't survive an earthquake, but I did survive the first week of school, which is basically the same thing. Uh, I'm doing all right. I've moved into a new apartment, so my audio might sound a little different. And uh, I'm generally just very stressed out about all the things that are happening in my life. But it's nice to get a chance to do something fun that doesn't involve all of those things. Well, uh, before we jump in, let's just do some plugs, first and foremost. Uh, Ajay, you come from us from NetsWire, if you are a Nets fan. Best in the Biz, go check that out. Kai, you come from uh, to us from Sixers Wire, also the Best in the Biz, check that out. Dr. Quinn, Celtics Wire, check that out. And Alex, I hear you're going to Washington, D.C. Uh, I am, yes. The uh, If you like the music that you heard at the beginning of this podcast, uh, there's a whole band behind that music. And crazy thing about that band is that they have a bunch of other songs, which I have helped write and produce and tend to play on uh, from time to time. And we are going to D.C., uh, on October 1st to play a show with our great friends, the Crystal Casino Band. My band is Divine Sweater, and there is plenty more coming there, courtesy of our friend Mark Allison, friend of the pod, shout out. Uh, lots more to come there. So look out for that soon. All right. Uh, plugs out of the way. Let's jump right into the Celtics lab. Later, we'll talk about Paul Pierce and all the other kind of bits and pieces around Boston. But we want to look at the Eastern Conference from a macro perspective. So here's how this is going to work. I'm going to tee off the teams in the Eastern Conference alphabetically. I will just give a little bit of background for how their offseason went. And then Kai and Ajay, I'm going to swing it to you. You'll take turns leading the charge, giving us a little bit of your thoughts on what's happening with this team. And just for fun, I have thrown in over-unders for regular season wins, and I'm going to ask you to react to that. But I won't tell you what book, because no free rides. If you want if you want to be the sports book of the Celtics Club podcast, email us directly. So let's just do it. Uh, so we're going to start in Atlanta. They went 41-31 last season. Kai, I'm going to go to you first. They added DeLon Wright and uh, Gorgie Jiang. They lost Chris Dunn and Bruno Fernando. Perhaps Celtics fans have heard of these people. And importantly, Nate McMillan, is going to continue to be their head coach. So, uh, Kai, first of all, the over-under is 46.5. And second of all, just broadly, what do you think of the Hawks? 
right, so I just finished up covering the Hawks for a playoff series, and they mm-hmm. just beat Philadelphia four games to three, and they won three of those games on the road in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So uh, after – for me, it's kind of like I think the Hawks could definitely get to like 47 to 50 wins, and I feel like they finished like in the top three in the East in terms of like standings this year. And I feel like a lot of people are going to kind of sit here and act like their uh, Eastern Conference Finals run was a fluke. But I feel like when you have already a young star like Trey Young and then DeAndre Hunter didn't even play in these playoffs. And if you add DeAndre Hunter back to it, I feel like the Hawks could definitely be like somewhere around 47 to 50 wins. And then top three in the East playoffs, you know, I don't really know what they can do with with a healthy Brooklyn team. But Atlanta, I feel like it's definitely going to be like a really good team this year, especially during an 82-game year. I think they can do it. Well, uh, what do you think of the suggestion that this is the Oklahoma City Thunder of old and just because they – nearly made the finals once doesn't mean they're going to do it again. Um, I, I don't know because I feel like every situation is different. Like when you look at Oklahoma City situation, they just they really kept running into the San Antonio Spurs after that. And the Spurs at the time were still, you know, they were still Duncan Parker Ginobili. And mm-hmm. at, at that time, and they were in the Spurs were able to even squeeze out a title in 2014. So, I mean, who knows? And the Hawks, I don't know if they're going to get to the finals just because they're in a, in a conference now then they're stuck with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. Uh, in Brooklyn, along with the defending champs out in Milwaukee. So, you know, it's definitely going to be tough for them to break through, but I feel like they're definitely going to be in the mix for me. Cool. Yeah, I uh, was a, a big Trey Young hater, and this season completely turned that around for me. So I don't know how far they'll go, but I uh, I look forward to rooting for Trey. All right. Awesome. Atlanta in the books. Ajay, you get Boston. They went 36-36 and 36 last season. They lost in the first round to your Brooklyn Nets. They've done a lot in the offseason. Bear with me. They added Al Horford, Dennis Schroeder, Josh Richardson, Ennis Cantor, and Bruno Fernando. They've lost Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, Tristan Thompson, Semi Ojale. Uh, Jalen Brown, had, I think, is back to full strength with his wrist injury. Hopefully the Time Lord is back from injury as well. Brad Stevens replaces Danny Ainge in the front office. and Ime Udoka replaces Stevens on the sideline and the over under for the Boston Celtics Ajay is 46.5 wins as well. So take it away. I envision the Celtics to be a second seed in the Eastern conference this year. Yeah. Definitely louder. see them around, you know, the upper forties or in the fifties for wins. Uh, Jason Tatum marked this down. Now he, he'll be an MVP candidate. He's been putting in a lot of work during the off season. Jalen Brown is coming back. Like, as you said, you guys got Dennis Schroeder. Whew, man, it's looking tough in Boston. And, again, like Ime Adoka, who was on the Nets um, coaching staff, you guys haven't already had a great coaching staff before with Brad Stevens leading that. But now you guys are plugging the right pieces, putting together a, a great project, and I see you guys finishing second in the East. Although last year you guys only won one win in the, off, I mean, in the postseason against the Nets, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a Nets healthy, you know, and I believe if you guys want to make a deep playoff run, the Celtics, they have to finish in the second seed and probably try to meet the Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals if the Nets finish as a first seed. Mm-hmm. And there's more depth this year for the, the Celtics, so high hopes for them this year. Well, I'm so happy we invited you on. <laughs> yeah, this is great. I'm loving this. <laughs> Ajay, can I ask – as yeah. someone who knows the Nets, can you tell us something about Udoka that, as a Celtics fan, uh, someone should be pumped about? And he, he's obsessed with the game, uh, like any passionate uh, coach. 
Uh, he's mm-hmm. al- always involved with, he was always involved with Steve Nash on coaching decisions, but it was also Mike D'Antoni who was a part of that, but yeah. they as a g- unit, you know, came up with the rotations for the Nets. And Steve even admitted that, you know, they played a big part in helping him in his first year as head coach. So now that he has, you know, the green light to have more freedom as a coach in Boston, I feel like he'll flourish there for sure. Cool. Where uh, this is silly that I don't know this. Where is D'Antoni now? I think he's, still, he's, he's still unconnected. No, he's leaving Brooklyn. Uh, I think he yeah, signed as an assistant, but I don't remember where. Mm-hmm. D'Antoni Lab is failing as a podcast. We're just going to have to call it something else, like I don't yeah. know, Celtics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, best of luck to the cat. I hope that he lands on his feet, as cats do. Uh, all right, uh, Kai, you get Brooklyn. They went forty-eight and twenty-eight uh, last season. They lost in the East semis by a toe. They added Patty Mills, LaMarcus Aldridge is back in the fold, and Paul Millsap is joining Brooklyn as well. They lost Jeff Green, Spencer Dinwiddie, Landry Shamit, and uh, who did they just cut? Johnson? Oh, Johnson. How about Alizé? Yeah. Uh, so their over-under is 56.5 wins, Kai. Your thoughts on the over-under and your thoughts on the Nets? Uh, just to answer the Dan Tony thing, he's actually with the New Orleans Pelicans as a consultant. Nailed it, sort of. Thank you. <laughs> so so that, that that is where D'Antoni landed. Um, I, I think I think Brooklyn, and I'm, I'm actually surprised that you know we didn't throw this one to Ajayi, but I got the Nets winning the whole damn thing this year. Like mm-hmm. I don't I don't even think it's going to be like <laughs> I, I really just feel like when you got Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, it just it does not matter. If those three dudes are healthy. Are you beating that? I mean, they they like for me like they were beating the crap out of Milwaukee games one and two without Harden. Like yeah. all they was all they need was two of them, and then obviously Kyrie got hurt. Harden tried to come back, and it was really just Durant and a very hobbled James Harden. So then that's not going to be enough. So for me, it's like if even two of those three healthy, they can easily win like sixty-two games, make it look so damn easy, and they'll be like the big three Miami Heat teams with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh, because nobody's beating that team if they're healthy in a seven-game series. So I have a question with regard to that, which is I think there's been some kind of mixed signals on what Brooklyn's approach to the regular season is going to be. Because if you think about their, I, I, I largely agree with that assessment, Kai. I think if Brooklyn is healthy, it's just hard for me to envision anybody beating them. But I kind of wonder how that's going to factor into who's going to be resting, uh, how many, how how much they're going to kind of put their foot on the gas in the regular season, and whether they're really going to care a lot about locking up that number one seed, as opposed to maybe giving Durant and Irving and Harden periods where they're resting and giving a lot of space to guys like Patty Mills uh, to come in and run the offense. So I, I'm and I think I can swing this to Kai or to Ajay since you know your Brooklyn's your bag. Uh, I guess I'm just wondering. What have you heard with regard to Brooklyn's approach to the regular season and what their priorities are going to be as far as health and seeding go? Uh, I honestly don't see the regular season being prioritized for the Nets. Uh, you, you hit it right on the, the bat. However, I do see James Harden playing most of those games because last season was the only season where he really suffered like a crucial injury in, in the fashion that it, it went down with. So he always averaged over 35 minutes per game during the regular season. And if James Harden's playing, the Nets can win any night. It doesn't matter who the opponent is, and they can still finish as a first seed 
if he's playing, but I don't really see Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. You guys know the drama when it comes to Kyrie Irving playing. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what I see. We're aware. That's yeah. Point, but also, what about like also what about like Blake Griffin too? I mean, they got they, like Blake Griffin. I thought had a really good year for them, and, and then they're bringing back Lamarcus Aldridge, right? Like they like that's a that's a legit thing. So and then Millsap. So it's just like again, like I kind of look at Brooklyn's roster, and I'm like, how are you beating that? Mm. You know, it's tough. Yeah, I think that 56 and a half is much more about rest. To Alex's point, when it like when the cards are down, unless uh, I mean, no one's rooting for injuries, but I do think that that's really the only path for another team in the East. Right. All right. On that happy note, let's talk about the rest of the East. Uh, <laughs> so from there, we'll go to Charlotte and Kai. Uh, oh no, Ajay, you're up. Uh, so they went 33 and 39 last season, but a very fun team. They were playing tournament exit. So they nearly made it to the postseason. They added Kelly Oubre, Ish Smith, Mason Plumley, and James Booknight. They lost Devonte Graham, Malik Monk, and Cody Zeller. The over-under I saw for them is 38-and-a-half wins. Ajay, you're up. definitely believe they will finish with about 38 wins. But I do see LaMelo Ball making a jump in his game this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the rookies. Uh, Ball Knight, that's how you say it. Book Knight? Book, book Knight, yeah. I, I like him, <laughs> but I like, I like Kai Jones as well. Mm-hmm. It's just a young team, but I honestly don't see them making the playoffs, actually, because the Eastern Conference just got tougher. Uh, they may sneak into the playing tournament, but they they're just way too young, too youthful, you know. I suspect they're going to continue to be perhaps the league pass team, if not one of the best league pass teams. But I don't think when push comes to shove, they know what they're doing yet. But man, mm-hmm. I'm I'm I love Kelly Oubre. What a fun place for him to have landed. All right, any other yeah. thoughts on Charlotte? We don't need to. Awesome. <laughs> I, so I have a quick one on Charlotte, which I think is actually going to be interesting. Is if 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 what we think is coming to pass, which is that the the Hornets are going to be a little too young to make a big playoff push this year, I do wonder about the fate of guys like Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward on that team. Uh, if they're really making a push to get this youth movement going, to get Book Knight and uh, you know Lamelo and. Uh, Kai Jones empowered and give them lots of space to really run the offense. I kind of wonder uh, what is going to happen with their pricey, but still pretty talented vets and whether those guys could be sneaky trade deadline targets for contending teams. Yeah. Do you, do you think they'll trade or try to trade Gordon Hayward? Uh, I don't think it's out of the question. I heard some murmurs that basically they're not looking outright to deal Gordon Hayward, but they're, not opposed to doing so if they get the right offer for him. Yeah, yeah. I think Uber makes him a little redundant, and yeah. I would ordinarily have said it's a bad look to sign a free agent like that and then ship him out so quickly. But I think for years to come, people are going to want to play with ball, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, speaking of the Ball brothers, let's go to Chicago. Thirty-one and forty-one last season. They did not make the postseason. They. Sp- Spent a lot of money on players like DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, and Alex Caruso. They lost Laurie Markkinen, Daniel Tice, uh, Sadoransky, Garrett Temple, Alfred Amino, who I'm shocked is still in the league. No offense. <laughs> Thad Young. Uh, Kobe White returns from a torn labrum, but he might not start the season right away. Kai, I'm going to you. 42.5 is the number to beat. See, I've got Chicago winning like 43 games. Like, I feel like the Bulls, like, they're not – 
I feel like they're going to be a playoff team. Like I feel like they might kind of win the the you know the playing tournament and get the eight seed. I feel like they're they're kind of like destined for that. And I'm just excited about the possibility of Lonzo Ball throwing a bunch of lobs, Zach Levine and Demar Derozan, yeah. um, and then having Nikola Vucevic down like down low like with that. And I also love Patrick Williams. So I, I look at Chicago and I feel like they're finally moving in the right direction. But I, I also hope that they know that Alonzo Ball, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan core is not championship worthy. I, I, like, I, I hope that they don't just settle with these three plus Vucevic because I'm not a big Vucevic guy either. Obviously, I think he's like a great talent, all-star player, but I, I don't like him on defense. Like, like that's another thing too with the Bulls. So I'm interested to see what they do. Um, I think they'll be finally be a playoff team, I think, for the first time since I think 27 teams last time they made it. So um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what they do with this core, but I'm interested to see what Lonzo does in terms of being able to get Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan involved. So that was a soft over? Yeah, it's a soft over. Very, very soft, like barely, very, barely making it over. Yeah, I, I suspect you're right, although I also will say that if they're doing it properly, this is another league pass team for me because – yeah. A lot of facilitators, a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism. And, like, a lot on the line. Yeah, right. I mean, like, listen, Chicago, like, like Bulls fans are desperate to, like, for, for a winner. <laughs> like, Bulls fans just the playoffs. And I feel like if they can if they can get to the playoffs, United Center will definitely be very loud. They won't be very good in the playoffs because there's going to be absolutely zero spacing with DeRozan out there on the floor. But yeah. who knows? I mean, we'll see what happens. I do like I do like their team on the outset on paper right now. It kind of feels like the Bulls have two different teams. They've got the Levine-Lonzo team that wants to play super fast and get up the court and, you know, play like a really explosive, uh, fast-breaking three style of offense. And then you've got this kind of slow-it-down, DeRozan-Vucevic half-court grinded-out sets. And I'm not necessarily sure that those things will work all that well together in a playoff series, but I think it's going to be hard for uh, some of the worst teams in the league to beat them on a night-to-night basis in the regular season. It's going to be interesting, though. I like it's They're asking so much of Pat Williams on the defensive end. He's going to have to guard their best player, the opponent's best player, every night, and that's a big ask for a second-year guy. No, I think so, too. I mean, I think the, the lower middle class at the Eastern Conference is going to be feisty. <laughs> But uh, there's also going to be a lot of teams in the basement, such as uh, Cleveland. They went 22 and 50 last season. They added Laurie Markkinen, Ricky Rubio, and Evan Mobley. Ding, ding, ding. They lost Larry Nance Jr. and Torian Prince. The score to beat Jai is 26.5. Your thoughts on the Cavs? I believe it'll be lower than that. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to the Cleveland fans, but oh, listen. Dick. It's just not it. This roster is not it. You have too too much too many players in the front court. Jared Allen, Taco Fall, I believe, is on a non guaranteed contract so far. Uh, Evan Mobley, Laurie Markkinen, the list goes on in that front court. It's just not going to work when you have all those front. I mean, players fighting to start and fighting to uh, get more minutes as young players in the league. And if you. Honestly, they're going to have to make some trades during the season, but I see yeah. them finishing with less wins than that with this current roster. But they have a lot of, you know, room to work with if they want to make some trades. But this roster is just all over the place for me. The playing styles, too, I don't think it will mesh. No, I think it's going to be ugly. 
And what do we, sorry, just to jump in here. What do we think about uh, Colin Sexton's future on this team? I was just going to yes. say, I, yeah. I think that the Laurie, Mar- the Laurie Marconin signing seems to me to be a nice pairing to get to around the level of a max player. And Laurie doesn't really fit this team in several ways, not in time, not in style of play, not in size. I mean, unless you want an entire roster of guys like above six foot ten. It's very strange what they're doing out there. Uh, we will get to the Ben Simmons stuff when we talk about Philly. And I will ask everyone for their one favorite Ben Simmons destination. But All right. because I'm making up the rules, I'm going to shout out my extra one, which is Cleveland. Anyways, let's, uh, let's keep this train moving because I know that some of us have other appointments. Detroit, 20-52 and 52 last season. They added Cade Cunningham, Kelly Olenek, Trey Lyles. They lost Mason Plumlee. Over under is twenty four point five in the Motor City. Kai, anything I missed? Um, no, and I don't say I think Detroit is probably going to be somewhere around twenty two to twenty six wins. Mm-hmm. I, just, I feel like they're still not going to be very, very good. I feel like they're probably going to need one more year of a rebuild before they can move forward. But I, I love their core though. Like if we're going to look at their core on paper, between Cunningham, Bay, uh, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, Killian Hayes, um, Jeremy Grant had a really good year. Um, and, and I feel like, you know, the Pistons are, they haven't been good for, I don't know, a decade. So it's, it'll be very interesting to see what they do with this young core, because like, there's a lot to like about them. And I feel like Dwayne Casey's like the perfect guy for this job, because I feel like Casey is a much better developer rather than a guy who takes a team to a championship. Like, I feel like you give him a bunch of young players, because when you look back at his time with Toronto, like, I feel like with the Raptors, he was able to develop the hell out of Pascal Siakam and OGN and Obi and, you know, a bunch of other younger guys that um, – and then Nick Nurse kind of took him to the next level. But I feel like this is a perfect situation for Casey, Detroit. I feel like they just need another really bad rebuild year to kind of get one more player in there. All right, so we'll check in on them next season. Let's go to Indiana. <laughs> Let's go to Indiana. 34 and 38 last season, lost in the playing tournament riddled with injuries and other stuff. They added Tory Craig. They added Chris Duarte. Duarte? I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, they lost Duarte. Dougie yeah. McBuckets. They lost Aaron Holiday. Nate Bjorkson. However you say his name, he's gone. Uh, Rick Carlisle is in. That's kind of cool. TJ Warren has been dealing with a foot fracture. Miles Turner has been dealing with a torn knee problem. And their over-under is 42.5. So, Ajay, your thoughts on the Pacers? And uh, T.J. Warren coming back, we all remember what he did in the bubble. He just turned into a different machine around, and around that time. They still have Karis LeVert via trade last year from the Nets, who still has a bright future ahead of him. And Miles Turner, he still, has, he still can be one of the best big men in the league one day, but we're still waiting for that one year where he makes that big jump. You know, we already know he's capable, but it may be this season, but I believe it'll be it'll take two seasons for him to do that jump or make that jump. So I see them finishing under that. On the, that was at 42 wins, you said? 42 and a half, yeah. Yeah, I see them finishing under that, but I like the addition of Rick Carlisle. Like, every, no, no, what, no matter what team you have, Rick Carlisle will make that team competitive. Mm-hmm. But this is – the chemistry will be off next year for this team. They need more time. 
Well, and to that point, you know, we're talking about TJ Warren coming back, but earlier today, the news dropped yeah. that TJ Warren is actually going to be out indefinitely. Uh, he oh, had a enough. recovery and a setback in his recovery plan. And so there is now no timetable on his return. So Ajay, I, I largely agree. I think the Pacers have got some roster issues to sort out. Uh, some of these parts don't necessarily fit all that well, and they need to kind of decide who their guys are going to be going forward before they're ready to make a real run. I could see them as a fringe play-in team, but uh, I don't see a whole lot more than that. Yeah, and I don't think they should rely that much on Warren because this is starting to get concerning mm-hmm. at this yeah. point. You know, I think so, that's uh, another to him. Yeah, t- totally. I didn't even I didn't see that today. That's that's a real bummer. I think For this sure. is this is a team that. Uh, could make a big splash on the trade market and consolidate. Otherwise, I do think kind of similar to the Cavs, it's, there's a few too many cooks in the kitchen. So I, I want to see this Pacers team do well, but I think something's got to give first. All right, let's go to Miami, to South Beach. They went 40-32 and 32 last season. They won the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes. They brought him in, P.J. Tucker as well, and Markeith Morris. They lost Goran Dragic, Precious uh, – Akiyama, is that right? Chua. 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 Yeah. God, man, I'm all over the map today with pronunciations. Kendrick Nunn's gone. Uh, Iguodala's gone. Trevor Ariza's gone. And Bialika's gone. Victor Oladipo, still dealing with a quad injury, but technically a member of the Miami Heat. Over under there is 48 and a half. Kai, what do you think? I think it'll be like kind of just under that, like 46 and 36, 47 and 35, something like that. You know, I, I, they're still going to be a really good team. I feel like Miami was much better this year than what they showed. But I think the only reason why they struggled, I think like you could say the same about Boston and the Lakers even, because they had to go so damn deep into the bubble to end the 2020 season. And then, you know, they had to quickly turn around for this 2020-21 season. And they just slumped to the sixth seed. And they didn't even put up much of a fight against the Bucks. I think, except for game one when Middleton had to hit that game winner in overtime. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, outside of that, it was kind of like, damn, like you guys, look, they looked tired. They looked exhausted. They really looked like they were like, yeah, we just want the season to be over with. So I, f- I feel like now you, that you gave them an actual offseason and they made the additions they made between Lowry, P.J. Tucker, um, and Markeith Morris, I feel like it's going to be another underrated addition for them like off their bench. And if Oladipo can come back, I think I saw Oladipo said to come back, like, I think the end of November, beginning of December. And if he can can add him to that, then the Heat can be a really, really good team. And one of those teams that you you really don't want to see them in the playoffs, especially if Butler is actually, you know, motivated to want to get up and play. Um, I still think it's wild that Duncan Robinson got that contract. But, uh, I I mean, as long as he can shoot in this league, you'll be fine. Or at least you'll get paid. Right. and they're going to need that because I think the scoring is a big problem for Miami, uh, at least at the clip that some teams will play in the regular season. I think when the game slows down, this is a smart team and a really great coach, obviously, so they can figure that out. And the defense, Miami's defense scares the crap out of me. I, yeah. I, th- I assume and feel pretty strongly that they will be the best defensive team in the East. Maybe not night to night, but in the postseason, I, it's just going to be – yeah, you're not for other teams. You're not going to want to play them in playoffs at all. The one, the one thing I will throw out there at Miami is that um, they have 
spent they've consolidated a lot of their youth into really seasoned vets which will help them i think particularly in the postseason but uh some of these guys are definitely getting up there particularly lowry and pj tucker uh and jimmy butler is not exactly a spring chicken either so i think miami is going to be really good this year but they're going to have to be careful because Eric Spolster's teams typically go really hard every game and play a super fast-paced, frenetic blend of defense. Um, And I'm not necessarily certain that all of the bodies on that team are capable of running the Spo system uh, to its fullest. Obviously, Jimmy Butler and Lowry have largely taken great care of themselves. But at a certain point, uh, I think they do have to consider the age of their roster. No, they definitely do. But I remember when Josh Richardson was actually here in Philly and I asked Josh about Miami's culture, like how real is this, you know, this culture thing that they continue to push. And Richardson was telling me that they have a a pre-camp to the pre-camp to the training camp. <laughs> they, get, they get them like in shape but like, like for, for what they plan to run for, for this upcoming season. So to Alex's point, like, yeah, the age thing is definitely going to be something to watch. But, I mean, th- that heat culture thing is apparently, like, a really real thing. And they, and they keep these guys, like, in peak condition for, like, everything. It's almost surprising other teams don't do that. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. If you're a professional oh. group of athletes, you would think that that would be part of the job description. I, I don't know. I, I, feel, I feel like maybe, like, some other teams would kind of be like, yo, we're not trying to, like, push these guys this early. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of get on them the way the heat do. But, I mean, who knows? But I kind of agree with you. I feel like at some point – you got to get these guys ready to go for a really long season. Okay, from Miami, we go to Milwaukee, the defending champs. They went 46-26 and 26 last season. They added Grayson Allen, George Hill, Rodney Hill, Semi Ojale, Tremont Waters, shout out. They lost P.J. Tucker and Bryn Forbes. Dante DiVincenzo, Tendentair, is coming back. The over-under is 54.5. Ajay, the Bucks repeating or what? I believe if anybody does make it out of the East other than the Nets or the Celtics, it's the Bucks. Sorry to Miami fans, but the chemistry is going to get scarier for this Bucks team because they have mostly the same players coming back, you know, even though P.J. Tucker was a huge loss. Dante DiVincenzo has already been playing with this team for a couple of years, so he already knows like, how the system is ran. Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to come back better and hopefully a better free throw shooter maybe a better three-point shooter. Drew Holiday is just a menace on defense. I see them finishing in the top three in the East during the regular season, but if you're at any team in the NBA, you don't want to run into them during the regular season, especially in the playoffs. I don't see them re- – actually, I don't see them repeating, but it's, it's going to take a lot to beat this Bucks team during the playoffs. Man, if Giannis comes back, we are all uh, – if Giannis comes back better – than he did last year, we are all in for a world of hurt. Oh, that is a scary thought. <laughs> I could see them playing uh, kind of a relaxed game to start the season, though, and totally. maybe even giving the Celtics a little bit of breathing room at the top of the East uh, to get to Ajay's wonderful prediction. Just because, <laughs> I mean, between playing into the finals and then playing with some of their key members in the Olympics as well, they, they might not really want to push super hard early. Yeah, or they yeah, might tinker the way they did this past regular season. Yeah. All right. I'm thrilled about the vindication for my man, Drew Holiday, though. I've always been a Drew Holiday mm-hmm. liker, and to see him finally get the respect he deserves is a great thing. Mm-hmm. 
and Mike Budenholzer as a coach. He was on the hot seat. Yeah. <laughs> he was on the hot seat. He's maybe the most disrespected coach in the league, and I, I'm still not a very mm-hmm. big fan of how he does his rotations, but at least I can't say he's not a champion. <laughs> Respectable. Yeah. He really stuck it to you, Justin. All right, he sure did. <laughs> let's talk about the Knicks. They were 41-31 and 31 last year, the darlings of the NBA, if I may say so. They added Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker. Maybe Celtics fans have heard of these people. They lost Reggie Bullock and Marvel Pell. I don't know who that is. Mitchell Robinson has a foot fracture. The over-under is 41.5. Kai, what are you expecting from the Knicks? Hi, first of all, do not disrespect my man Norvell Pell. <laughs> Sorry. No Norvell Pell slander at all. That man is the nicest man you'll ever meet in your life. <laughs> That's a good dude. Um, a- anywho, like, all right. So when it comes to the Knicks, I feel like I feel like they can win like forty-five games. Like, I feel like they're going to be like a solid team. But that's also going to depend on Kemba Walker, which I know you Celtics guys, the, y'all know a lot about Kemba right now. And obviously, he's not the player he was with Charlotte. The injury really kind of messed him up. So a lot of it. But I feel like when you look at what Kemba's deal is, like one year. What is it like? Two million something something. Yeah, two years. Like two years, eight, million. eight million each. Okay, okay. So two years, eight million for Kemba. So you're paying a former All Star and a guy who can still be average somewhere around nineteen to twenty two a night, like if he is healthy. Then you're adding that to Julius Randle, who had a hell of a year last year. Evan Fournier, another guy you Celtics guys are going to know. Fournier is a guy who can put the ball in the basket, um, which is what they needed. They had no type of scoring outside of Randall. They didn't have another guy who could put the ball in the basket. Now they added two of them. Um, and then they brought back Alec Burks, brought back Derrick Rose. I love Emmanuel quickly. Mitchell Robinson, if he's healthy, is a really good player. Nerlens Noel had a really good year for the Knicks. So I think they can win somewhere around 45 games for sure. Interesting. I have to say, I think I have the Knicks pegged squarely as my most likely to regress team in the Eastern Conference this year. I wow. really, yeah, no, I, I think they had uh, in a lot of ways a good off season, but the thing is Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker are not going to help them defensively at all. And the Knicks, the Knicks made their bones on being a great defensive team last year. And they yeah. made their bones on being the healthiest team in the NBA. That is a big ask for this roster, especially with, adding a really injury-prone-at-this-point guy in Kemba to be their lead point guard. Derek Rose is another year older. Julius Randle had a really great season last year and was a totally deserving uh, All-NBA guy. That being said, he really did not look comfortable in the playoffs at all, and I think that going into this year, uh, defenses are going to know a little bit more what to expect from Randle. So I have the Knicks falling into the conversation closer to the eight seed than the four or the five at this point. To that point, uh, defense was their identity last season. Now that they have more offense and a worse defense, they're just going to fall right in line in the Eastern Conference with these other, you know, lower, bottom, middle type of teams in the Eastern Conference. My feeling as well, I'm – to be completely honest, I can't think of a worse coach for, for Kemba Walker's knees than Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> Rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> Gone too soon. All right. I'm just, we're just going to skip the magic. They were over under 22 and a half. Well, that's the most irrelevant team in the East. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, let's be real. All right. Well, the reason I want, I mean, 
first of all, I, we're skipping the magic because of the roster, but we only have five more minutes of Kai, and Kai, we would be remiss if we didn't ask you about the Ben Simmons stuff. So I'll go to Ajay for the whole preview and the over-under, but on your way out the door, tell us what the mood is in Philly vis-a-vis Ben Simmons. I hear the morning news that's just tearing him to pieces. Welcome to Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, listen, they, uh, they, they, they tore Joel Embiid up. For, yeah. for years, I mean, before for for this past year, we finished as the MVP runner-up. They they would tear Joel Embiid up for anything because I mean, I know you guys saw that before. What was it? He would tell he would tell Landry Shamit to go get him a bunch of cookies and cream milkshakes from Chick Fil A. He would just <laughs> he four of them like like per week or something. It was crazy. Um, but I mean, listen, Simmons. It's unfortunate. It's such a sad situation because he's he, he was he's such a damn good player. He does so many good things for this team. Whether it's setting up his teammates on the offensive end, being an elite defender, but he's got one weakness and he refuses to work on it. Mm-hmm. It's one damn thing. It's one thing. If you just took a damn jump shot, we would not be having this conversation because we all see those stupid, you know, pickup games. Oh, Ben Simmons is knocking down threes. <laughs> oh, this is the year he's going to come back with a jump shot, and then he does like this really this dumb, stupid. I'm going to pass up a dunk when I'm being defended by uh, Trey Young, who's the whole foot smaller than him. And once he did that, I remember turning to my guy, Keith Pompey, over from Already Inquirer, and I said, yo, he's gone. He's gone. Like, there's mm-hmm. no way he's back. There was absolutely zero chance. And I feel like the Sixers were trying to get Damian Lillard. So they, yeah. were, they, were, they were hoping to remain patient in this. But, but you, you knew Ben's camp was going to be like, yeah, no, get, get, get out of there and find something new. And now the thought is that, that uh, Rich Paul wants Tyrese Maxey out of Philadelphia now too because he doesn't want Clutch working with the Sixers right now. So it's it's a really ugly and just annoying situation in all honesty. So what is your, from a Sixers perspective, what is your ideal pie-in-the-sky trade that happens and what do you realistically think happens? Well, they're not really going to have any real options. Like If we're, we're going to be completely honest with you, they have a lot of – they don't really have a lot of time, I should really say. They have – they got – today's September 8th. Season starts October 28th. Training camp starts the 28th. You can't bring Ben into training camp. I mean, he's already going to sit out. But, like, you can't go into training camp with Ben Simmons on your quote-unquote roster. Right. So, I, I feel like the best trade for them would to be able to probably hit up Minnesota and Cleveland and see if you can get, like, a three-team deal going. And see if, or even Toronto, even because I know the Raptors have a lot of interest in him as well. Um, the Timberwolves have a lot of interest in him. It's just at this point, you're going to have to kind of settle, which which is unfortunate for a guy who's a 25 year old, three time All Star, two time All Defensive First Team member, one time All NBA member. It's just disappointing that that is that that has come down to this because it, they're not they're not going to get anywhere near the value they thought they were going to get. I'm surprised right. we haven't heard uh, rumbles of the Pacers being interested, considering they were considering moving off of Sabonis last year, and it seems like that would be a pretty good swap. See Alex's amazing Sixers-Pacers three-teamer that he proposed last week, and everybody laughed at him for just saying. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really sure. Like, I mean, I know I, – I, could you really realistically do Simmons for Sabonis? I think you probably need a third team. Yeah, you, you would need to do a little bit of juggling, I think, to make everything work right, but especially with your GM. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, Daryl Morey is a guy who loves doing three-team, four-team deals. And, you know, he, he, we saw him do it a couple times in Houston. But um, it really is just an unfortunate situation that it's really come down to this because the reason why Philadelphia was, like, so, I guess, inactive in the uh, free agency market, they were only signing guys with team-friendly deals, was they were hoping to throw them in a deal for Damian Lillard. Right. Like, that was, that was the team's goal throughout this whole offseason. But once Lillard kind of confirmed that he's staying in Portland and obviously the Blazers aren't going to make Lillard available. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, I mean, like that kind of ruined everything. And then now Simmons coming out being, yo, I want out. Now all of a sudden they've got no leverage for trades. They got, and now they're going to, they're going to sit off for pennies on the dollar. That, that's basically what, what's going to have to happen. I think a team that I would really like to see get involved in this sweepstakes uh, and that I think could actually kind of do something for both sides is and they've been kind of murmuring in this conversation, but they haven't really gotten any big traction. Is the Spurs? Um, I really like Dejounte Murray, and I think that that guy has All Star potential. He hasn't really realized it yet, but I think he has a chance to be that kind of player. And I think that uh, Chip Englund is the best shooting coach in the NBA. So I would love to see Simmons get a chance to be the guy uh, with a guy like Greg Popovich who can really mold him into the best version of himself. And I think the Sixers could actually get a pretty decent return from San Antonio as well. Well, Kai, if Ben gets moved, maybe we'll bring you back, but we know you got to run. So Kai Carlin, you write for Sixers Wire. Everyone should go check all of his wonderful writing out. And Kai, thank you for coming on. Appreciate you guys for having me. We'll Later, guys. Thanks, Kai. Bye. Easy. Right. Thankfully, we still got a shy, so someone yeah. knows what they're talking about on this podcast. Let's uh, let's stick with Philly. Anything uh, we missed? Uh, let me just do the the usual rundown. They added. Oh, I forgot all about this. Oh my god! They added Andre Drummond. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! They added, yeah. <laughs> they added um, Niang. They uh, lost George Hill and Dwight Howard. The Ben Simmons situation is a thing. Joel Embiid's knees probably. Are a little worse for wear, and their over under is fifty point five wins. So, Ajay, any thoughts on what we're looking at from the Sixers? I don't see them winning fifty five games at all. I don't see them finishing in the top four in the East. Uh, Andre Drummond, I don't understand why they picked him up when you know you have Joel Embiid and their history together. It's just going to be awkward all season long. Uh, ben won't what be they there do. next year. Yeah, that's they love to do it in Philly. I don't know why. Uh, I don't see them yet finishing the top four. Uh, Joel and B won't have a cold star with him because, like Kyle was saying, they're working with pennies and dollars. When they move yeah. him, they're not going to get something equivalent to what Ben is actually worth. They're going to get something less than that. So they're going to fall out as a contender to me. Yeah, I totally agree, Jai. I don't see 55 as a realistic no, no, possibility. It's 50.5, but even that, I guess, is worth it. Yeah, even yeah. so, I, I I don't see them being a 50-win team. I think Joel Embiid is a dominant MVP-level player, and I think he can win them a lot of games by himself. But Embiid has also shown over and over again that he is not a guy who you can rely on for consistent durability throughout the regular season. Yeah. He's going to miss games. Um, and I think that without Ben Simmons in the fold, unless Tyrese Maxey makes a huge jump, and I don't really buy the idea that Maxey is going to get shipped out. I, w- I think Daryl Morey has no interest in doing that. Um, unless Maxey makes a huge jump or they get a true all-star level return 
for Simmons, I just don't see any way that this team gets uh, higher than like the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference as it stands. Right. And even if they do get a, another all-star caliber player, the chemistry is going to be off. They have only a few days. And so if they get the trade before training camp done, can't bet on that, you know, as a contending team. So we mentioned perhaps the Cavs, San Antonio, Indiana as trade partners. Any other teams that we think ought to be on the radar for this or are those the three that we're most looking at? I'm not really buying the Golden State thing. I don't get that at all. No, me either. Perhaps Sacramento. I would love like, that. I, th- I think, Cam, you were talking about Buddy Heald uh, possibly being a trading piece, but I, I don't even see Sacramento throwing Buddy into that. But no, we I do still s- have the Aaron. I could see all of the teams that we're talking about coming together for something because they te- they seem like teams that could or should make a move, but n- none of them like logically make trade partners one-on-one. So I don't know. Remember that like hour, hour and a half where we thought Buddy Heald was going to the Lakers? Yeah. <laughs> Pandora doesn't go back in the box. It's not like he doesn't mm. <laughs> know that he was almost traded. So right. anyways, if, if- if Maury's involved, we could see a classic Daryl Maury four-teamer like James Harden from last year. <laughs> right before training camp, too. <laughs> yeah. Bring on the chaos, why not? Mm-hmm. Right during a Miami Heat weigh-ins, maybe. Okay, Toronto, 27-45 last season. Right now they have Goran Dragic on the team, but don't hold your breath. Precious Achua, did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah, man, I love I like Precious too. I don't know why I can't get that one. <laughs> Sam Decker, I can't believe he's still in the league. Isaac Bonga, they lost Kyle Lowry, Aaron Baines, and Rodney Hood. They're over unders thirty six and a half. Justin, we haven't heard from you in a while. Can I swing it to you? Yeah, that actually sounds about right to me. I don't anticipate them being a terrible team. They are too well run of a team, even though they've they've kind of bled a lot of talent recently. I think they're going to threaten for the playing game, but I don't really see much better than that in their future, barring some kind of big shakeup, which, you know, never, you never can count that out with a jury up there. So, It's going to be really interesting to see what Fred Van Fleet looks like as the lead dog on offense. Now yeah. with Lowry out of there, this is very much his team when it comes yeah. to the offensive side of the ball. So I'm really interested. You know, I really like Van Fleet as a player and have for a couple of years now. Um, but I, we've never seen him with this kind of offensive burden before. So that's going to be interesting. I, I like Scotty Barnes. Uh, I think that it might have been a bit of a reach in the draft, but I like his long-term development prospects. That being said, he's going to be super raw to enter the year, and I don't expect him to light the world on fire immediately. But if there's one thing I'll say about this Raptors team, it's that they strike me as a classic team that is – going to play above their talent like they're going to be so annoying to play on a night-to-night basis even if their roster isn't good enough to win them a lot of games Nick Nurse is going to coach them hard there's a ton of really fast young defensive wings on that team that are going to make life hell for opposing guards and wings so I think the Raptors I have them pegged squarely as my annoying but not very good team for this year (laughs) And they still have Pascal Siakam. True. Yeah, that's another guy that I don't think it makes sense to trade him to the Sixers, but I may, it might make sense to trade him. And then there are some dominoes that I think need to fall in the NBA. A lot of 
which happened to be in the east, but what it looks like, I'm not sure. Ajay, anything we missed on Toronto? Uh, Chris Boucher, mm, right? Good point. He, before he got hurt, man, he he was on like a little stellar run for about five games. I think he was averaging like a double-double. It, he can break into that starting lineup as a center and he spread the floor for Siakam, Van Vliet. If Scotty Barnes could break in, probably play at the three. I see them. They could possibly finish as a seventh seed if everything goes right. I like this Toronto team. I think that they could be good. Like, good, good, not Eastern Conference, lower middle yeah. class good. And although they lost so many pieces, too. Mm-hmm. Hey, if Nick Nurse is really the coach everyone thinks he is, it should be a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, time. let's round it out. Let's go to Washington, 34 and 38 last season, but there were times where they were really sprinting. Uh, a lot of roster turnover for the Wiz, so they added Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyle Kuzma, KCP, Montrezl Harrell, Aaron Holiday, and Corey Kispert. They lost Russell Westbrook, Ish Smith, Robin Lopez, Alex Lang, Isaac Bonga, and Chandler Hutchinson. Scotty Brooks is out. Wes Unsell Jr. is in. Thomas Bryant has an ACL uh, issue. And Vija, the rookie last season, uh, has an ankle fracture. He'll come back. So, Ajay, close it out. 34.5 for the Wiz. Tell us about more. the Wizards. More, yeah. Tell they us. They more to that. Uh, they're getting Spencer Dinwiddie. Bradley Beal finished second in scoring last season. And I believe he could take that top spot next year. Getting KCP, Kyle Kuzma will have a bigger role finally. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody wants to see that. I, I do. So <laughs> I want to see how he would do in a bigger role. Like, is he the guy that he says he is? Like, you know, he's telling everybody, oh, keep sleeping on him because this year is going to prove us wrong. But, you know, let's see. And they, they have a former six-man-of-the-year winner in Montrez Harrell. Oh, man, they can make some noise. They'll definitely win more than 34 games, I believe you said, or 32. 34 and a half. Yeah, they're going out. They'll win more than that, and they could sneak into the playoffs, but I don't see them winning any playoff games. That's interesting to me because I actually really don't like the Wizards offseason that much, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, well, here's, so here's the thing. I think from a long-term building perspective, the Wizards made some sound moves to get, like, cap flexibility, to get, uh, you know, a little more space going for them and to kind of build around that. I think the Bradley Beal thing is very much hanging over this season. We haven't really heard much from him on that. And that's kind of the story of Washington's season. Is Bradley Beal ultimately going to stay with this team or look elsewhere? And, you know, I know that like the dunked on boys talked a lot about how going from Dinwiddie, uh, going from Russ to Dinwiddie and getting all these depth pieces is a big upgrade. Folks, I don't know if we watched the same team last year, but Russell Westbrook did a for this Wizards team last year to drag them into the playoffs. And I don't think that Dinwiddie coming off of an ACL tear is a lock to replicate that value. I think Montrez Harrell is a fun but very one-dimensional player who can't do much more than his specific role. I don't like the Kyle Kuzma experience at all unless he's got a (laughs) LeBron-level guy to get him exactly where he needs to go. I really don't like this Wizards offseason, and I have been pegged to be one of the worst teams in the East. Wow. Uh, I, I think I'm with the shy. Alex and I have talked about this. I kind of favor a classic ro- roster construction and save power forward. I kind of like how this Wizards team stacks up. 
I also just want to shout out Rui Hachimura because I want to be his biggest fan. And this, I'm just doing the dirty work, making sure that I, I play my part. So uh, any last thoughts on the Wizards? Uh, Denny Avia, uh, he's going to, if he comes back at a suitable time, he was still one of the best rookies. I mean, one of the best players scouted out of Europe um, coming into that draft class. So if he could actually like replicate what scouts were saying about him next year, he'll have the time to do that with this type of roster. I don't think he would have been able to do that with Westbrook on that team. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm pretty supportive of the Wizards as well. I don't think that they're going to be that much better than they were last year. I think they're still kind of like somewhere in between the eighth seed and play-in tournament range. But I do think that they got better overall in terms of roster balance and also for their for their future prospects. So I'm I'm excited to actually see them play. I don't know if that's going to be a recurring thing, but at least to see how they how they mesh together. All right. Well, Ajay, thank you for doing this. Ajay writes for Netswire. Kai writes for Sixers Wire, and we were lucky to have them both to talk to us about the Eastern Conference and let us know what's what. So, Ajay, thanks again for coming on. We'll see you next time, I guess. Thank you guys for having me back on the live. You guys know I love it here. Cam, Alex, Justin, just just thank you, man. (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate it, man. I'm always tuned in. Appreciate you, man. I'm always tuned in. You guys have an exciting season to look forward to. Jason Tatum, I'm just thinking about him, just like, oh, man, like, I'm, he's gonna be in the um the running for MVP. I think well, so Ajay, yeah. I I'm gonna be at the first Celtics Nets home game, and so oh, I'll make man. sure to loop you in for that one because that's oh, gonna man. be a really fun matchup this year. I think. Mm-hmm. All right. So thanks again to Ajay. Thanks again to Kai, our better halves in in the other parts of the Eastern Conference. So we did the Celtics lab first. We're just gonna. Go- do a little bit of news because there was some stuff that actually happened that's worth addressing. First and foremost, at long last, Carson Edwards has been traded away from the Boston Celtics. <laughs> Thigh Lord is gone. Chris Dunn is gone. And Juan Juancho Hernan Gomez is on his way to the Celtics. This deal has been completed, but will be completed in the next few days, barring something. Uh, Juancho's numbers aren't particularly impressive. But he also has had a very inconsistent career with first the Nuggets and then the Timberwolves. So first thoughts on the deal itself. I think it's solid. You know, I, so I've been saying for a couple of episodes now that I don't necessarily think that Chris Dunn was going to get the minutes that would probably allow him to thrive on the Celtics. They're just really heavy at guard right now. And uh, I think they want to spotlight Peyton Pritchard a lot more. Um, so I don't really see a scenario where Dunn would have played that much on this team. The Celtics needed some forward depth, uh, and I think Wancho is a perfectly solid, suitable option for that. I don't necessarily buy that. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about Wancho as a possible stretch for, and uh, his shooting numbers don't really bear that out. But I really like the possibilities of Wancho on the floor, particularly with Al Horford and other shooters and Dennis Schroeder. Um, I think he can be a high-energy cutter. Uh, and I have a good friend who I talk to often who's a Nuggets fan. And the thing that he said about Wancho uh, from his stint with Denver is that Wancho crashes the glass like a maniac and is playing really hard all, all the time. So I think 
with Horford as a kind of tone setter on the floor to really run the offense through him. I think Wancho could be a fun complimentary player uh, who provides depth where it's needed at the four. I tend to agree. I, I look at him as kind of more of a Daniel Tice who is more willing to shoot, which is both bad and good, um, depending on how you're looking at his shooting percentage and what you expect him to do in terms of carrying an offense, which is hopefully not that much. Um, I don't think he's going to start much more than maybe an occasionally for, for some spots, uh, particularly if he has an opportunity to do it as more of a small ball five, which kind of then brings into question – you know, Jabari Parker, Grant Williams. Um, suddenly we have we have a little bit more work to do. Uh, there's been some other things going on that we could also talk about that may be playing a role with that or maybe just signaling that that's going on. But at the very, very least, I think that that unguaranteed $7 million salary for the season after could be potentially very useful, uh, whether you want to cut bait or include them in the trade. Yeah, I, I think I have a similar take. It's not a particularly interesting flyer, but perhaps it's meaningful, but at the very least, the, the salary is, is not unimportant. So let me just do some bookkeeping, and after, if there's anything either of you wants to say about what I have to say, go for it. Taco Fall is joining a very full front court in Cleveland with the Cavs. It's a pretty straightforward deal, but it isn't guaranteed. Tremont Waters is going to Milwaukee. He will be competing for a spot in camp. The why Celtics, are the Bucks? Sorry, why are the Bucks so addicted to signing the Celtics bench guys? I don't understand this. <laughs> very strange. <laughs> they must have seen maybe Celtics Twitter is overvaluing uh, these players a little bit, and the Bucks are falling for it. The Celtics also signed Juwan Morgan. I think I hope I'm saying that right, and Luke Cornett to camp deals. Morgan played with the Jazz on a two-way most recently, and he played with Romeo Langford at Indiana. A few other bookkeepers. Yeah. I do want to talk about the Cornette thing, though, for just yeah, a moment. Yeah, your boy. Okay. My man, Luke Cornette, the king of corn. So it's interesting that they signed him to this non-guaranteed camp deal. Um, I think they obviously want to see what they have there. Luke Cornette is uh, a guy who played, I think, reasonably well, given the role that he was in for uh, a good chunk of last year. And I think to kind of loop this back to the conversation we were having earlier, Justin, the presence of Cornette on a non-guaranteed deal, it does kind of suggest that the Celtics might be thinking more about some of those stretch five options uh, and what they're kind of doing on this roster and whether they can be moved for other kind of value pieces. Uh, So I'll be interested to see because I actually would like to keep Grant Williams on this team, but I also don't necessarily know that it would be the best for his long-term development to be here. Um, So I'm interested because I think the Cornets uh, kind of non-guaranteed signing implies to me that he might be jumping into one of those slots uh, either for Grant or Jabari, who I think is much more likely uh, to potentially be moved in a separate deal. Something to watch. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. And he's not eligible, unlike this Joan Morgan, for one of the two-way spots because he's got more than four years' experience. So that, that it would signal that there's something potentially afoot with, with the roster construction. Let's call that a tease. All right, well, we're running out of time here, so just quickly some few smaller things around the edges, and then we're going to talk about the truth. The Celtics hired Gerald Christian to be the coach of the main Celtics, formerly the Red Claws. He comes to Boston and Maine by way of Washington. And the 
NBA 2K22 game, the basketball video game, is going to have all 30 PA announcers from the league, which is kind of cool, including TD Garden's own Eddie Palladino. So for folks who love to hit the sticks, you'll hear a familiar voice when you play 2K. But perhaps the most familiar voice of all for all of us would be that of Paul Pierce. So we only have a few more minutes before we got to get out of here, but between now and probably the next time we pod, Paul Pierce will be enshrined in the Hall of Fame by way of none other than Kevin Garnett, I believe, who has been lighting up a storm on Instagram, among other things, (laughs) talking about this process. Justin, I know you wrote about that a little bit. Tell us about Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Tell us about the Mannix Paul Pierce thing, and then tell us about your own Paul Pierce thoughts. Well, my own Paul Pierce thoughts are that he is by far my favorite member of the 2008 title team and maybe the only one who isn't constantly making me grab my forehead and shake back and forth in disbelief that they're (laughs) saying whatever they're saying. Uh, But I won't get into that too much because this is all about Pierce and celebrating his legacy. Uh, The Manix piece is great. There's all kinds of little nuggets in there, some of which have been talked about before, some of which have been expanded on, some of which is pretty new. The most interesting thing to me, being a podcast head that I am, is that there may be a KG Paul Pierce uh, podcast coming up. And uh, just putting this out there, Paul, if you need someone to help you find your way around Latin America, um, sign me up. Let's do it. Okay. That's gonna, that's <laughs> Wait, gonna why, be Latin, <laughs> why does he need to know, go to Latin America? Well, the, uh, evidently, this new podcast idea is going to be based on traveling in new lands, experiencing new cultures, trying new foods. Uh, and, you know, I'm an anthropologist. I, I'm kind of an expert in that. So, Yeah, yeah okay. That, that makes way more sense to me. It's going to be tough competition, fellas. We're really going to have to step up our game uh, competing with those two guys. Yeah, but we... Uh... No, nah, I got nothing. Yeah, we're <laughs> it's going to be that much more crowded. I don't know. We talk about smart things sometimes. I will say, Paul Pierce, sometimes his public life, he does some weird things that I don't stand for. But obviously, as a Celtics fan, I have I love Paul Pierce, um, the basketball player, certainly. The fact that Ray Allen is going to enshrine Chris, Chris Bosch means he'll be at this event and if it's in person which i'm not 100 percent sure everything is going to be in person that's going to be hilarious and awkward i don't really even know if i care if they ever parry the hatchet but i also don't know if i care if i need to keep hearing about it but for anyone who's going to be following the hall of fame ceremony i believe it's saturday the 11th or whatever that date is and it's gonna be good it's gonna be weird it's gonna be awkward but hooray for paul pierce any other thoughts? Um, Paul, I love you, man, but uh, maybe cool it with uh, the drinks at the poker table and how you talk to waitresses when you do that. <laughs> heard that. I'm glad you said that. All right, on that wonderful note, uh, <laughs> truly, Alex is right and Paul Pierce is wrong. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you to Ajay. Thank you to Kai. Thank you to the MBA Wire community. If you made it this far in the podcast, please like and subscribe. It goes a long way. Also, go ahead and buy our t-shirts. They're pinned to our Twitter page. Those are That's helpful for us, too. So, thanks for listening, and we will catch you all next week. Bye-bye.